Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, June 24th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The United States plans to impose new sanctions on Iran. The head of Ericsson's U.S. business slams the U.K.'s likely plan to shut out Huawei from parts of its 5G network, and U.S. regulators are questioning Deutsche Bank's bad bank proposal. Plus, the FT's Leslie Hook explains why companies are struggling to hit the climate change targets set by the 2015 Paris Agreement. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The U.S. is planning to impose fresh sanctions on Iran as early as today. On Sunday, White House National Security Advisor John Bolton warned Iran not to, quote, mistake U.S. prudence for weakness. Last week, Iran's Revolutionary Guard shot down an unmanned American surveillance drone. And on Thursday, U.S. President Donald Trump canceled a mission to strike Iran in retaliation. There were estimates that 150 Iranians could have died in the attack. And while the Pentagon supported the reversal, Mr. Bolton and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo did not. Back in May, the Trump administration imposed sanctions on Iran's iron, steel, aluminum, and copper. That was after Iran said it would stop implementing some of its commitments under the 2015 nuclear accord. Since then, Iran said it would breach limits on its uranium enrichment. In an interview with NBC News that aired Sunday, Mr. Trump said he was willing to enter into negotiations with Iran with, quote, no preconditions. I'm not looking for war. And if there is, it'll be obliteration like you've never seen before. But I'm not looking to do that. But you can't have a nuclear weapon. He added that he would continue to put economic pressure on Iran until it wanted to negotiate. Otherwise, you can live in a shattered economy for a long time to come. An executive at the telecoms company Ericsson warns that the U.K.'s approach to Huawei makes little technical sense. In May, details from a U.K. National Security Council meeting were leaked. According to the reports, the government was set to recommend that Chinese equipment company Huawei would be allowed to provide equipment to the so-called non-core parts of the 5G network. Ericsson's head of U.S. business, Nicholas Huveldop, talked about Huawei and the U.K. in an interview with the FT. He said that any plan that imagines there is a significant difference between core and non-core parts of 5G networks misunderstands how they will work. The U.S. has been pushing its allies, including the U.K., to ban the Chinese company from their 5G network. Earlier in the year, the Trump administration threatened to curb Intel sharing with the U.K. if it allows Huawei to build part of the country's 5G mobile network. The U.S. says that Huawei could be used by Beijing for spying. But British officials say they can soften the risk posed by Huawei. They say they would only allow Huawei to supply equipment that carries signals to and from mobile phones. That would be instead of carrying signal from parts of the network that handle much larger amounts of data. Mr. Huveldop isn't sure that approach can work. Ericsson is one of Huawei's biggest competitors and could benefit if the company is shut out of big Western markets. But Mr. Huveldop says he's not advocating for that. In fact, he says having Huawei in the game is good for the industry, saying, quote, it keeps us on our toes. 
And U.S. regulators are putting Deutsche Bank's bad bank proposal under the microscope. Last week, the FT reported that the German lender had proposed plans to shrink or close down large parts of its trading business outside continental Europe. Executives are considering putting as much as 50 billion euros worth of assets in this so-called bad bank. That means the strategy would likely reduce Deutsche's U.S. business significantly. Now, three sources have told the FT that officials at the Federal Reserve have talked with key people at Deutsche. These officials wanted to address concerns about the potentially significant impact the bad bank plans would have on Deutsche's U.S. operations. Deutsche Bank declined to comment on the matter. Right now, the U.S. arm of the bank can't make payments to its parent company in Germany without Fed permission. That's after it failed the Fed's annual stress test last year. Deutsche's U.S. bank passed the first round of this year's tests, but it still needs to find out the results of the second test before those restrictions would stop. Deutsche Bank is also the subject of several investigations in the U.S. These include a criminal probe into allegations that the bank failed to comply with anti-money laundering laws. And here's a closer look at a story you should know more about. The Paris Climate Agreement was a landmark measure to curb the effects of climate change. Delegates from around the world agreed on the accord in 2015. And in doing so, countries vowed to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. But since the accord was signed, a couple of things happened. U.S. President Donald Trump announced the U.S. would withdraw from the agreement. And if you add up all of the targets of all of the signatories and look at how countries are actually doing, they're not on track to hit that goal at all. That's the FT's Leslie Hook. Based on current projections and current trends, we're looking at three degrees or four degrees of warming by the end of the century. In the last few years, we've seen different governments take climate into their own hands. The EU and the UK have taken on the idea of lowering emissions by 2050. Individual states in the U.S., like New York, have set out ambitious plans, too. But what about business? Well, that's the tricky thing about the agreement, is governments have signed the Paris Agreement, but companies don't sign up to the Paris Agreement. And so it's kind of hard for them to figure out, you know, to translate this high-level international commitment into what that means for each corporation. Why does this matter? And why now? Well, one thing that's happened since the Paris Agreement was adopted in 2016 is that we've had a lot of investors come out and say, we want our portfolio to be Paris compliant. And it's been quite tricky to really define what that even means, since this is an agreement signed by countries, not by individual companies. And so there's a growing body of research and a kind of new field of financial analysis that tries to really pin down what type of climate path various companies are on. So, Leslie, with all of this, how are investors and portfolio managers actually assessing who is doing what? 
For this article that just came out, I worked with a boutique advisory called Carbon Delta using their research and analysis to look at how companies are preparing. And so they assess based on their current emissions and the number of green patents, as well as a few other factors, um, like they use that to devise a measure of how prepared companies are for the Paris Agreement. And in their research, they've actually translated it into degrees of global warming. So there's some cement companies that they say are aligned with a sort of six degrees Celsius of warming. We see some oil and gas companies that are up there around five degrees, but they survey basically all of the world's biggest companies and uh, find that, you know, different sectors have very different levels of preparedness. But at the end of the day, it is really a subjective call to assess a company's preparedness for Paris. And when you're talking about that type of huge transformation, it impacts different sectors very, very differently. But companies themselves do also point out that, you know, the goals of the agreement are are very broad, they're global, and there is a lot of interpretation when you try and translate those back down to the individual company level. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com. Today, we'll be watching the Turkish lira following yesterday's rerun of an Istanbul mayoral election. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has said that losing Istanbul would mean losing the country. And on Sunday, the opposition challenger won a resounding victory. Turkey's economy has struggled with runaway inflation since a currency crisis hit the lira last year. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.